Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, once again, and welcome back to another episode of Sundays. Father and Sundays, the unexplainable guide to absolutely nothing. This week, it's episode 52. It is 52. And we're talking about espionage. Shh, but don't tell anybody. Anyway, stick around if you want to hear more. Hi again, Dan, for another week. Oh, hi. Hi. What did you say then? For another week. For another week. Yes, Hi for another week. It's another yes. week. It's been last week was another what week before and this one's another week. Right, okay, yeah. Hi. We do these every week. Yes, we do, yeah. I know yeah. we do that. Yeah. I just didn't hear what you said. That was the problem. Right. The problem. Po- the, <laughs> oh dear. Porpoise. Great start. We're in headphones though, you you could hear me in your ears. Yes, I know. That's I know. that's normally how I hear people anyway with my ears. Yeah. So uh <laughs> My name's Connor. Uh is it though? Uh, at least that's what people. I want people to think. Yeah. Yep. 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 I have a podcast. Did you know that? Well, have you? <laughs> at least that's what I want people to think. Yes. Is this all real? That's a completely different topic. Okay. Um, what's your name? My name is Hardin. David Hardin. And I'm going to do that as much as I possibly can throughout this podcast. Because this week we're talking about espionage. It's just a posh way of saying spies and stuff. Yeah, spies and stuff. Spies yeah. and stuff. Do you know what espionage means? Go on. I feel like I feel like you know. I do. Do you know espionage means the practice of spying or of using spies, typically by governments to obtain political and military information. Very interesting. And I got that from the Oxford Dic- Dictionary. The what? The Oxford Dictionary. Dictionary. <laughs> well, I got it from, and actually, I'll bring this up now. You you slam me most weeks for saying, well, you looked that up on Google, didn't you? Well, yes, but it's the Oxford Dictionary on Google, so it's you the know same we've thing. got one. Yes, but I can't be bothered to go and have a look for an actual book. Look, I've, I'm very pushed on time for these things. So right? somebody doesn't what want to have a go look for a, life. Want to have a look for an actual book? You're not going to be that excited about the game we've got at the end of the podcast. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't mind writing my own book. Oh, that's worth saying there. Actually, stick around to the end. Stick, <laughs> stick around to the end. Um, we, if you don't normally, then maybe this. Well, time. because we're talking about uh, espionage and spies, we've done what we did in a previous podcast when we we're talking about books, but we took the subject of espionage and spies and we've I've written a short story and you've written, as you usually do, several shorter stories. Free. Free. Blimey. So we're gonna do those at the end, aren't we, of this podcast? The moment of very one of them is particularly short. Yes. Well this happened last time, didn't it? It I'll was be honest, pretty much a one liner. We'll we'll talk about it more at the yeah. end actually. Yeah. But it's just worth saying that that's what we're gonna do at the end here, to have a go at at uh, Sort of uh, 
elbowing our way into this genre because, yeah. I mean, the real world of spies we'll talk about at the moment, I, as a kid, was fascinated by this. And, okay, I was fascinated by the fictional world of spies, but it, it was to a point where I thought it would be something that I'd want to do. I think every kid does that as well. I mean, I remember growing up and being bought a spy kit as such where I had a motion detector and That's I had right, yeah. I had night vision goggles and stuff like that and I remember always seeing adverts for it on TV for these extra stuff and I'd be like well this is how you become a real life spy didn't you have Just sort of, of, a, of a little sort of mouse looking thing that you used to be able to yes. remote control into people's rooms and and record what they were saying and things like yeah, that yeah record all, it, it would just yeah it would um Play audio on whatever your receiver was. And you'd, yeah, so it was almost like a, a portable walkie-talkie, yeah. I mean, all walkie-talkies are portable. Oh, that's yeah, the whole that's point. true. <laughs> They're that's called walkie-talkies. Oh, yeah, that's that's true, yes. Yes, but what I mean is <laughs> a remote, remote walkie-talkie, one that you can send into another room. You don't have to have it in your hand. You have to hold it that's down. what I meant. You know what I meant. Yeah, I remember... <laughs> And uh, I think I've confessed this already, so it's not too bad. I was bought, uh, my sister, when I was little, bought me a spy kit. I don't know if it was a James Bond one, but it had a little toy gun in it and a little sort of passport and all these little bits and yeah. pieces to do with spy. Uh, not as technical as what you had, but it was in the days when I was younger. And I remember, ironically... Was colour invented back then? It was in colour as well. Ironically, mm. at that time, I commando rolled into a room because I was playing some sort of game like Spies or something and spied this present underneath her bed um, and so was felt really guilty. And when I actually opened it up, I think I confessed that I'd already seen it. But there you go. I've done a similar thing with Becky. I think we have both noticed before. I remember walking in and seeing a uh, present on the floor. That's oh, t- terrible. Have you ever really seriously it. considered applying? Because I always thought that spot, and again, it's through uh, literature and and TV and films. I always thought these people were sort of handpicked, like military type. Yes, thing. yeah, military. Yeah, because they often in the films have a like military commander and, and, and yeah. you know, blah 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 blah. But um, obviously. You can apply for jobs. And these days, you know, I've actually been on the website to have a look. Have you applied for any? No, I haven't. Do you think you will? Uh, you can't say. Not. You uh, can't share I that. I can't tell you anyway, because I'd have to kill you. But um, I think I may be edging on the too old to be a spy. Oh, really? Yeah, I get very tired. Yeah. And, you know. And Do you know what time t- I went to bed last night? Go on. Quarter past nine. That's I was, outrageous. I, was I think I was already asleep by that time anyway. No, I, well, actually, no, you have, I walked in to say goodnight and you were like bleary-eyed. Yes, no, that, that does happen. Yeah, so I think yes, no. perhaps, <sighs> you know, when when you're looking for someone to do a stakeout or someone to do uh, nocturnal activities, which a lot of spies do these nocturnal activities with the films or anything to go by, Connor. Yeah, um, that was very monotone, that sentence. I, know. <laughs> um, I don't think I'd last, but... I was really interested to find out um, or to know that you can actually apply for for these jobs. You know, you don't have to be um, Commander Bond. You don't have to be 
someone high up in, in, in the military. You don't have to be someone from Eton. You don't have to be someone who's got lots of money. That's, that, you know, you can just or be... Milton Keynes. What? Don't have to be from Milton Keynes. No, you don't have to be from Milton Keynes. You don't have to be from anywhere in particular. Exactly, that's the point. But I went onto their site and it says things like, um, I think it's trying to uh, explode the myths uh, of what people think uh, joining the Secret Service is all about. I think it's fair to say that some of them will be soldiers, like ex-soldiers and stuff like that. Some of them will be um, from these places. I think there's a point of saying, though, that not everyone in espionage or around that area is actually does the same job. Like you'll get some that are uh, work in the canteen. Yeah, would work in the canteen, but need to be stuff like the soldiers and stuff like that. But But they'll be cleaners that can't say they work for the Secret Service. Well, no, but here we go. Like, so, so one of the first, the MythBuster number one is if I join MI6, and this is from the actual site, right? If I join MI6, I won't have much time for my family. Right, so basically, when I think of MI6, I think, yeah, you're undercover. Depends uh, what job you've got yeah, in MI6. Wrong. Many of our staff have a family or have caring responsibilities. Join us and you'll find that our flexible working policy means you can work around personal commitments. A number of our roles offer the opportunity to work flexibly. When our staff apply to work overseas, they'll find the experience can have a positive effect on their family life. Where well, it depends how the mission goes, I suppose. Yeah. Because if it's a terrible mission and, and uh, or you have to go underground for a period of time or you have to um, fake your own death because you've been found out on some sort of knock list, as I believe they called it in the trade, then that's not going to work for you. See, there's, it, a, there's a book written by an actual spy um, called Soldier Spy. And, right. and that's it's on that bookshelf over there. Okay. And... Um, and a part of that is about going undercover as a homeless person for a period. I believe there's a story in there about going undercover as a homeless person. Now, I would imagine that he wouldn't get much time for family life if he's... Hang on, sorry, I've got to stop being homeless for a bit. I've just got to pop home for dinner. Well, this is it. I mean... Not all jobs within MI6 would work like that. No, because like like part-time... Work-life uh, work balance. I could infiltrate the the Russian embassy on Tuesday and Thursday, but on Wednesday I've got to be at home because I'm having something delivered. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's great because I think they're forced to make those allowances for people now. But, um, you know, I'm not sure it'll work in a proper spy world. Similar to things like soldiers and things like um, people working in oil rigs, for example, or submarines and stuff like that, Mm. where they have to go away and work for months they often get months off as well so i imagine that'll be similar for the the spies going undercover but i'll let you carry on with your list right myth number two it's probably full of super bright graduates from the uk's top universities wrong they're all idiots (laughs) (laughs) they're all stupid whatever your background if you have the skills we're looking for there could be a place for you here we aim to recruit talented people from all backgrounds who have also had different experiences in life this provides a richer and deeper approach to problem solving and helps to keep us one step ahead of our adversaries or the russians So that's only from your childhood, the Russian. Oh, I know, I know. I'm being, you know, yeah. That that when I was younger, and and quite often in in a lot of the literature, again, 
they were seen as the enemy. And that's, well, it depends how you look at it. It could be yeah. anybody, but it's these other secret organisations. Let's face it, all countries have a secret service, or most countries have a secret service, and they're all out to get one up on others. We've, they've talked recently about... I think our politicians run a secret service. Well, there was, there was some news parties. recently about, you know, a Chinese uh, yeah. representative getting friendly with politicians and, you know, possibly finding out secrets. Here's myth number three. I think we're on three. It's a dangerous job. They've said... Not usually. The vast majority of roles will be classed as dangerous, and you would never be asked to do something you're not un- you, that you're uncomfortable doing, or if you felt the risk was too high. Now, In fairness, they said not all, most of them. No, they've not said none of them. All of them are not very safe. Yeah, but if you're if you're out there it's and they fair. say, right, we want you to um, kill that that fellow over there. Mm. I'm, They're not I'm assassins. Not, I'm not 100% sure they've got a licence to kill some of them. I'm not 100% sure I really want to do that. Okay, then, no worries. Just do as much as you possibly can. Just cut <laughs> off his fingers and toes and that's it. <laughs> right, another one. Myth. Probably they did that at my work. <laughs> you have to work long hours. Not always. One of the positive aspects of working in the secret intelligence is that because of the nature of our work, you simply can't take it home with you. (laughs) This means that in the majority of our roles, you work regular hours and can switch off and go home at the end of the day. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, but could you? Could you go home and switch off? If I was working, I'd be too excited. And I think I'd find it really difficult not to tell people about what I did. Because surely... The thing that's cool about it is that you're in a secret service. There's NDAs and stuff like that. And I think non-disclosure agreements. And I think at the end of it, even when you finish your service with them, there's still things you won't be able to say. Probably not. Well, this goes on to the next myth, right? No one can know where you work. Not true. You're allowed to tell close and trusted loved ones where you work if you wish to. But to protect yours and and their safety as well as that of your colleagues and their families, you won't be able to tell anyone outside your immediate family. Can you imagine, though? I know it says you can tell, yeah. like, so I could, if I was a spy, which I am, I could tell you. <laughs> I could tell podcast, my, okay, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Everyone, but, yeah, forget yeah. what he said. Yeah, we'll edit that. Um, no, we won't. Um, but, but just that statement, I, although I, that statement tells you it's not that bad, it's also telling you, but... You could put people at risk by telling them where you work. But see, this is the thing, though. This is similar. In the, I'm a single um, lady. I'm a single lady. <laughs> I'm a single man, young man. <laughs> yeah. If I met a girl, yeah. yeah, how long do I leave it before I tell them that I'm in the Secret Service? Well, you may not be able to. Oh, well, I suppose so. It's so like, what how long do you leave it until I do this? How long do I leave it? How long do you say then, before you say, I love you? How long do you uh, leave it before you say, actually... I don't work at B&Q. Yeah. I'm in the Secret Service. The last one, you're on your own. We didn't ask my question. What was your question? How long do I wait until I... Well, I don't know. It depends on how trustworthy your girlfriend is. I What I would do is I would um, set up some sort of... A contract. Well, not a contract, but test, test your girlfriend out on how trustworthy she is by... By dropping hints about certain things. Oh, like they like the footballers' wives did a while ago about who was leaking the stuff on the Instagram That's account. It. Exactly <laughs> that. Exactly. I'm not convinced. Uh, 
uh, is it Colleen it was Rooney? Colleen Rooney and um, uh, Rebecca Vardy. Yeah, she's not a spy because she just she got a bank to rights. Well, apparently not if the courts are anything to go by. Uh, you're on your own. Absolutely not. Wherever you are and whatever you do, you'll always be part of the team. Well, I'm not 100% sure about that. As an international organisation with offices all around the world, we're expert at keeping in touch. And one of the many great things about working at SIS or SIS is that you're surrounded by like-minded colleagues who are there to support you unless they want plausible denial and they'll say, Connor, if you get caught, you're on your own. We will, we will say we had nothing to do with it because I've seen that so many times. So many of my friends yeah. have been cut loose. Father and Sundays present Things You Didn't Know That Happened Ages Ago. The direct cause of World War I was Archduke Ferdinand of Austria's assassination. What you might not know is that the initial assassination attempt failed when the bomb blew up the car behind Ferdinand's. The only reason he was assassinated is because one of the terrorists stopped to buy a sandwich and saw Ferdinand in the store. Also, the man who threw the grenade that blew up the car behind Franz Ferdinand's did not know the grenade had a 10-second timer. The saga continued when the wannabe assassin took cyanide to kill himself, only to realise it had expired, so he just ended up throwing up. To try and finally end this nightmare, he jumped into a nearby canal, which unbeknown to him was only two inches deep. Right, so we've talked about real life spying. You know, we just had Ish, a little kind sk- of. Yeah, there's a lot of. Oh, it is. Six I mean, services. Well, America, CIA, MI6, yeah. so FBI. They're all, they're all no, sort of. Well, not all that secret. You think they're acting on behalf of your government, but it seems that they're acting on behalf of some of your government and not other parts of your government, mm-hmm. and sometimes independently of your government. And, you know, it's all cloak and dagger. It's all sort of you're not sure exactly what's going on at any point in time. they should relatively independent to the government. Well, yeah, they should do. But, I mean, I know sometimes that... the government's the problem. Well, in, in America, certainly, if, if anything I've watched, or I know I say watch, but they're supposed to be fairly accurate, some of these like depictions... X-Files. No, not X-Files, but oh. depictions <laughs> of things like Watergate and, and, and such like, where you've got uh, the FBI looking into um, presidents and, and even to the assassinations of presidents and the, the, you know, the conspiracies around that and all the rest of it. Now... Um, if these are so entrenched, these uh, secret services, then of course things are going to happen that are not like the black ops and things like that. They're going to happen. Mm. Obviously, we said about wanting when we were kids wanting to be spies. I obviously, and I've said that a few times now. Well, obviously. Yeah. I know that it's still a going concern now, but James Bond, it's... If anybody says a spy, that's probably who they think of first. Um, I used to watch it as a kid. Um, I can remember Sundays. There used to be. Uh, what is the matter with you? At the I'm moment? trying to think of another spy. All right, so there you go. You couldn't. I don't know quite what was happening with your Austin face, Powers. but it looked like you were being tortured. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but they're all like sort of almost spoofs of the same thing. But for me, all the 
incarnations of James Bond. I've loved it at different points in it. I certainly, uh, Daniel Craig, I've loved the films that he's been in. I love the updated versions. I did used to like the gadgets and bits and pieces that they had. And, uh, you know, it did get Johnny a bit... Johnny English. Get a bit in- well, Johnny English, I mean, they are good... Good. Uh, I mean, obviously everything goes wrong in those ones or appears to go wrong most of the times. You, you mentioned Austin Powers. Austin Powers, they're great films because they just take the mickey. It takes... Almost a lot of the James Bond films, when you watch them now, is a little bit cringeworthy, some of the stuff that goes on in there. Yeah. Um, certainly the depiction of how women are treated in it and the way he acts and the violence and such. Obviously, Austin Powers completely drills into that by having him emerge into these days from the 70s. So he has the attitude that someone would have in the 70s and it's brought forward so it shows that up even more I mean let's be honest um, when I say let's be honest you are aware I'm surely surely that I've only seen one James Bond film you've only ever seen one James Bond film yeah what one Skyfall really Mm -hmm. I mean if you're going to see one that's a good one to see now that surprises me but I guess You've kind of, your your age, you've kind of fallen in between some of that. And you probably are watching other films that are of a similar sort of style. So, like Finding Nemo. Yeah, like Finding Nemo, classic spy story. Um, <laughs> uh, Clownfish Goes Undercover. I watched um, Spies in Disguise, which is about uh, a spy that gets turned into a pigeon. That's got Will Smith and... Uh, Oh, Tom good Holland old Will it. Smith again. He's, he's in everything, Will Smith. Um, but you would... I know, when we think about particular films, you'd have watched things like Mission Impossible, the franchise of Mission um, Impossible. Not all of them, but yeah. But you have, yeah, have yeah, touched yeah. on... The first on, one I saw was Ghost Protocol. Was it really? Yeah. Okay. And then I went backwards for some, and then I missed out some in the middle because I went backwards and didn't watch them all the way through. All right. But there's been the Bourne uh, ones as well, haven't there? Yeah, I've not seen them. Not seen any of those? No. Oh wow! So it's a, it's a genre that not something is it something you're not particularly into? I mean, no, it's just if you talk that about it takes quite a while to watch a film, right? Okay. Well, if, if you talk about literature, I mean, obviously the Bond film, the first uh, number of Bond films were from Ian Fleming, from novels by Ian Fleming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, there's also people like. Uh, John Le Carre and Tom Clancy are, are classic sort of writers of that sort of genre. You, and I think we've talked about it on a previous podcast, but you certainly was uh, quite fascinated. There was a, a, a series of books, wasn't there, about yeah. that sort of so thing? There was an author called Robert Muchmore who wrote a series of books aimed at essentially teenage kind of teenage books. Yeah. Um, about these kids and teenagers in this secret service that was for kids and teenagers. They were called Cherub. And they were there. He also wrote a prequel series of books called the Henderson boys, um, which was essentially set in world war two and was what led to these kids getting caught up in the war that ended up then starting Cherub essentially. So what was the thing. premise? Cause they were kids they're basically it was less likely to be it's basically sort of kids that things have gone wrong for. So normally kids who'd lost their parents or in foster care or whatever, but they'd end up being essentially adopted by this secret oh, service right, okay. place. 
and um, and yeah, they'd they'd be trained up on how to do all these different things, be sent on missions. So they'd do their normal school work. Um, they would all be like be pushed so hard that they'd be exceptional at it. Yeah. Um, but then they'd dis- they'd go for months at a time on like a mission or something. Uh, so and they go through different colours up when they gradually graduate to each stage they get a different coloured t-shirt which was cool the first one was orange mm. um, but yeah it was just a, it was an interesting premise of on things and you it, as you read them it was based around one character called James and as you read them you'd kind of grow up with James essentially yeah and they went on to from- another series of books but I only read like the first one of that um, well I know that I mean I read all of the original series of Cherub books though there's a there's really enjoyed them. A, they've done the young James Bond, which Charlie Hickson uh, wrote, and also Alex Ryder, which is the Stormbreaker books, I think. Which is, again is a similar sort of thing. It's a it's a, a a young person's entry into that sort of world, you know, giving them a character yeah. that they can relate to and all the rest of it. I mean, I can't say that. I mean, I didn't have that sort of thing because I didn't really write books for kids. But the thing that I liked about something like James Bond is, you know, you, you'd watch a film and there'd be these, uh, oh, when you think about it now, they're ridiculous, but there'd be all these exotic locations, right? You'd he'd be all over the world. There'd be beautiful women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a kid, as a, as a young kid, you'd still look at these and, you know, these women and think, oh, they're incredible. The cars, there'd always be an incredible car that he was driving around in well that played a part various times and I must admit I still that's just that's just something that's quite magical about an Aston Martin I'd even now we've talked about if if money was no object and you had loads of money I'd buy an Aston Martin just because it's an Aston Martin Martin, yeah I've got an MG it doesn't you know I've already got a sports car, so Wait, yeah. Hatchback. But then also everything else was. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the Ian Fleming, the original Ian Fleming novels. Uh, what are you gonna read it now? Not now. Oh right, okay. But I am gonna go back and read them because obviously in these uh, in these films you'd have these ridiculous henchmen and women. You know these these characters, and I don't know how far from the books they were. You know the odd jobs and the uh, uh, the pussy galores and the and and you know and Doctor No and Goldfinger and things like that. What, yeah. what how near were they to? Yeah, and how ridiculous were these particular things? Um, and the villains. I mean, there was a reoccurring villain in the James Bond films, but is that Goldfinger? They, they, no, no. Is that Jaws? Where his name is? Oh well, no, Jaws was another henchman, wasn't he? And that was just he appeared in a couple of them because I he just was so their popular. names, and I've yeah. seen like. Bits of yeah. films, but uh, normally something like. But a they usually got they usually got these massive, great uh, sort of secret bases and in a and, volcano and, yeah, and or things something. like that. Something something utterly ridiculous, but so they could have these set pieces. Now, obviously, a lot of it was filmed at the Pinewood Studios. They have the actual 007 studios there, so it, it's great to look back on that and see its heritage within this country as well. Because he was supposed to be a British spy, obviously played by uh, a Scotsman, first of all, uh, an Australian, I believe. Tell me a British spy being played by a Scotsman. Yeah, Yeah. Australian. uh, But he was supposed to, you know, although he had a bit of a twang to his accent with Sean Connery, but then, yeah, George Lansenby was an Australian, I believe. 
Then you had Roger Moore, who was more of a classic sort of. But it went through then a Welshman, an Irishman, and then Daniel Craig, which who I believe was English, but um, still is, I think. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know. As soon as he gave up the role, because he's given up the role now, does yeah. he not change back to whatever he was beforehand? No, he was English before. He was English beforehand and he's still English? Yeah. All right. I okay. believe so. Also a stormtrooper now. So. Oh, he's been in lots of things now, yeah. But no, so it, it is a fantasy world, but I imagine that uh, what we see and what we think's, you know, entertaining about it, on the flip side of that, in real life, it must be horrific. I imagine on the most part, it's still boring, just another probably. boring office job. Yeah, well, looking through, and I, I, we were laughing about the actual site and going on there about job vacancies, but you're you're right, 99% of those roles would be clerical. Yeah, and probably. I imagine background checks, when you go into a new job, background checks can be a bit of a, a long and tedious task, even if there's nothing going on. Yeah. It still seems like I imagine background checks would be even more so if you go into some kind of secret service. Be sitting there for months going, um, I still haven't heard from them because your distant grandfather used to run a drug gang and they just want to make sure that you're still not involved in the drug gang. And they're currently and water, when I say distant grandfather, that's not that to distant, try and find out more yeah, information. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'd look at that, I'd look at those and I'd think, I want to be Q or I want to be a secret agent and that, but you'd probably end up. Um, sort of restocking the vending machines. Vending machine, okay, there's yeah. a thing. Say you had a girlfriend, right, and you couldn't tell her that you worked for the SIS or the Secret Service, right? And your real job in there was restacking vending machines. Would you elaborate on what your job was or would you just keep it as, I work for the Secret Service, I'm not allowed to tell you what I do? <laughs> if you work in a shop... Yeah? Yeah. Then you refer to, like what we did at Superdrug, refer to yourself as a sales assistant. Right. You work in the shop. Yeah. So, yeah. Did, well, it'd I'm be sure. Like I'm a postman and I'm like sure there's a... Uh, post. Well, the, yeah, there, maybe I'll be a vending there is operator. A, a description of us that's Chief actually official. vending machine operator. Yeah, but you could... But because you're not allowed to... What did to Rimmer call himself in Red Dwarf? Operative. Something operative. Uh, yeah. But anyway, engineer or something. But you you could get away with saying to people, "I'm not allowed to tell you what I do," even though you know what you do is nothing of any sort of importance. Well, it is important because people need snacks. But you know that it's not going to be something that you could be tortured to find out from. You wouldn't necessarily work for the secret service. You work. In the building that the Secret Service... Yeah, but would the Secret Service let any Tom, Dick or Harry in to do that sort of work? No, they wouldn't. Surely they're... Although I've seen a lot of films where people just steal the uniform. Identity and the the uniform and the pine badge. Yeah. uh, Or have a prosthetic uh, face put on them. Yeah. Like in the Mission Impossible things. That was always really cool. I always thought that was really cool. See, the technology in these things as well, obviously... Probably a lot of it's caught up now, but uh, there was some stuff that was just fantasy, uh, really. I remember fantasy, at the time, really. Mission, um, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol came out. I believe at the time someone tried to climb up the side of a building using vacuum cleaners. They did it. 
But um, what in the film? I don't remember that no, in the film. We know in the film that sounds he, like something Tom Cruise would do. You know in the film for he, real. <laughs> you know in the film they uses um, suction things, things. Yeah, to, the gloves. Yeah, yeah gloves yeah. that they have to sort of charge in them, yeah. and they, one of them goes. I think it? it was Bangos the Furious that they do it with vacuum cleaners. All right, always worth a try. <laughs> And now after some time of not having any kind of sponsor, um, this is a word from our this week's sponsor. Yeah. yeah in a manner of speaking. Yeah, legitimate sponsor. <laughs> legitimate sponsors. It's not legitimate. This is... And you're listening to Dick Prince and Danny Sack. Coming up on this week's show, we have special guest Fanny Adams discussing all her secrets from her very special garden. Also, we have Johnny Cheeks, who is popping in to talk about his book titled 101 Things to Do with a Cucumber. So whip off your clothes and come hang out with us. Dick and Danny on All surfaces are wiped down after use, not for the faint-hearted. Woohoo! Right, so onto a game this week. Yes. Um so Well kind of a game. Kind of a game, kind of a thing that we've prepped. A number of episodes ago, many, 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 many episodes ago. Yep. Many episodes ago. Yeah. I said that a lot. Many, many. Yep. We did an episode called Books. We did indeed. And we wrote some stories. We did. Yeah. Uh, we enjoyed that. Don't know what anyone else thought, but we enjoyed it. So we thought we wanted Had to... a lot of fun, yeah. ...revisit that again. Yep. And be a bit more focused on a certain genre. So with espionage being our topic for today, we've decided that we're going to write... Spy based, maybe potentially loosely based, but spy based. Yeah, that's certainly what service. I've done. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> based <coughs> stories. Yeah. Um, I'm now, glad you said that because otherwise I'm going to have to make something up on the spot. Okay. So, as we've conveyed previously in the episode, but not very, we did it quite obviously. Um, I've written three stories. Right. Of varying lengths. Yep. Uh, you've written one story. Now, is yours a full story essentially from start to finish? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say with all of mine, they're essentially segments of one longer story. Okay, no, that's which, interesting. Which could be, it, like, it's down to your imagination where it would go or something like that. Okay. Um, one of them's a start, one of them's kind of a middle bit, and one of them's just, like, a paragraph about something. Okay. Um, I'm happy to start. You start with one of yours. Yeah. And then we'll have a little chat about that. They're also varying we'll lengths. Oh. So I've got a long, medium, or short. Why don't you do your long one first? Wow, I didn't expect you to go for long one first. Well, I just thought it might be good to get stuck into something. Well, this is the one I wrote first. Um, okay. So I am going to tell you the the name of this one. I won't be able to tell you the name of one of them until the end. Okay. Because it was just a giveaway uh, what it is. So this one is called The Quiet Village. Right. Okay. I'm um, sitting... And I'm comfortable. comfortable. And I'm. Are you sitting comfortably? Looking forward to it. Why you go? Then let's begin. My name's Connor, and I'm going to be reading to you today. Thank you. The Quiet Village, written by Connor. Thank you. Of Father and Sundays. 
there was a red glow over the horizon. The sun had risen on the village of Tollsbury. Tollsbury, do you get it? It's an actual village. Yeah, aware yeah, of. yeah. Yep. The old way that you've used a real village, yeah. That's the only thing that's actually accurate. Jason was laying in his king-sized bed as the sun started to peek through the blinds. Jason was a dark-haired man with just a bit of stubble coating the lower part of his face. Age 27, he was around 5 foot 11 with dark eyes. He had moved to Tollsbury just over two years ago after a bad breakup with his ex-girlfriend after catching her cheating on him with a James Corden lookalike. Wow, what's the chances? I know. <laughs> he decided to move to this quiet village to remove himself from all the commotion. But he'd grown to love it. He lived in a minimalist... <laughs> what? <laughs> Try it one again. Come, 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 everything. You ready? Are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> he lived a minimalistic life. <laughs> you said it right that time. No, but Move it's on. a funny word. Yeah. He lived a minimalistic life, living on the ground floor of a flat just in the centre of the village. Don't know if they have flats in that village because it's very small. But it doesn't anyway, matter. Carry on. Conveniently, I imagine they do. Conveniently, his flat was situated just next door to the pub, the King's Head. That's accurate. Um, which is where he worked four evenings a week. For the other days, he worked in the corner shop. He enjoyed his calm life. Being a village of just over a thousand people, there were plenty of people to get to know. One being the pub landlord's daughter, who spent many a night, lu- who he spent many a night lusting over from behind the bar. Next paragraph. Okay. Jason was awoken by the feeling of viscous water running down his nose towards his half-closed eyes. Wow. As he opened his eyes, he could see these large orbs looking back at him. Was it the busty? <laughs> no. Sorry, you said lusty, didn't you? Yeah. Not busty. Sorry, go on. <laughs> they were the eyes of his pug, Stephen. Oh, Stephen the pug. I guess you want to feed him, he said to the hazel-coloured pug looking at him. Steve responded just by opening his mouth, which appeared to form a slight smile. Come on, then. It was just gone 6am, so you can imagine Jason's surprise when he saw a letter sitting on his doorstep. The postman doesn't normally come this early, he muttered to himself. He picked up the envelope and placed it on the table next to his sofa. After feeding Stephen, Jason sat himself down in his usual seat on the sofa with a bowl of cornflakes and flicked on BBC Breakfast on his TV. He reached over uh, over to the envelope and began to open it. At first glance, after taking out the letter, it appeared to be blank. He proceeded to unfold the letter to reveal three words written in red ink in the middle of the page. He read them out loud in an hushed and concerned manner. The obelisk returns. We must go, Jason heard a voice from the corner of the room. Stood there was Stephen on his hind legs. He's putting on some goggles he had pulled from... Well, maybe I won't go into that, that much detail. My time has come. We must go at once. You must come with me, Stephen went on to say. Jason was understandably speechless. His pet dog, which he adopted two years prior from a shelter uh, with his ex, was standing there on two legs talking to him. And if this has happened, how much stranger could it get? He only wanted to live a quiet life. Finn. Wow. Did you like it? Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't see that coming. So we don't know what the obelisk thing is. No, like I said, this is the start of a longer story. Yeah. Um, I, I suddenly thought, well, did, when he opened that envelope, was there some hallucinogenic 
sort of substance within that envelope that made him see his dog was... No, so the dog all along... Like, I start that story going into a little detail, Jason. But it turns out Jason's not the undercover spy. I thought maybe that might be a, a word that would set yeah. him off. Okay. But the pug, Stephen, is actually the undercover spy. Wow. No, good stuff. What, good stuff. What a... Yeah, the problem is, I want to know what happens now, and yet you haven't written the rest of it, so you're going to have to do that. Yeah, I wrote that a little in the, this afternoon. Oh, well done. Thanks. It's okay. about 500 words. Yeah. How many words? I counted it as it was. I, I think mine's about. Now I'm not going to say because people will switch off. Right. What we're going to do next then is this. Well, I would <clears> imagine <throat> do. Um, I was going to say one of yours, but you've only got one. Yeah, I've only got one. So should we do your one, and then I'll finish with my two short, short ones. Okay. Short ones. Well, because I didn't do any music for our podcast today. What? No sting for this. That's a good point. We just you got straight into it. Didn't do any sting. Uh, uh, I've got a little bit of theme music for mine. Oh, right. So no would theme you music like to... for mine? Well, no, I only wrote it for mine. I didn't know what yours was about, so how could I write for you? Unbelievable. You kept it secret. Okay, so if you could play my theme music. The whole idea of this podcast is secret. Anyway, I'll play it now. Okay. He's the man who makes all the girls' heads turn. And not just the girls, the boys' heads too He's the agent with a license to drive anything except tractors And he's gonna be coming after you Sphincter It was a warm summer's evening in July and Jack Fury sat at her table outside the bar Studs, a popular sports bar on the South End and Sea promenade. He gazed at the waves lapping at the shore and watched as the reflected lights from the distant oil refinery danced across the water's surface. He took another sip of banana milkshake and checked his watch for what felt like the hundredth time but was more likely to be the fourth. Where was she? The note slipped under the toilet cubicle door earlier that day had been clear enough. Meet me at 7.45 at the bar studs. I have information that you might find interesting. Come alone. Dress code, smart casual. (coughs) Jack took the note out and read it again. His years in the British Secret Secret Service told him this was written by a woman judging by the way each eye had a circle above it and the fact it was written in Russian told him she was probably foreign. (laughs) He folded the note up and placed it back in the inside pocket of his blazer, accidentally brushing against his concealed Nerf gun. (laughs) Brexit and newly introduced stringent health and safety policies had meant the carrying of a real gun was prohibited. He cursed the fact that he'd probably dressed smartly rather than smart casual, but he hoped the fact that he'd rolled his trouser legs up would level things up. Just as he was about to give up and head back to his hotel, a beautiful, tall brunette sat herself down in the chair opposite him. He guessed she was in her late twenties, but her pale blue eyes told of experience well beyond her years. She had slim, long, tanned legs that went up to her armpits, 
which, truth be told, looked rather odd. <laughs> but Jack had seen some strange things in his time as a spy, and a beautiful woman with no upper body didn't even make the top ten. Um, can I just have a quick question? Yeah. <laughs> Apart from this very beautiful woman that's got no torso. Yes. Um, studs. So Studs is a sports bar. Bar Studs, yeah. Oh, it's studs as in as in as in what you have on the bottom oh, of your boat. It boots. definitely sounds like it could be a gay bar, though. Studs. Oh, right, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. All oh, right. Well, you don't know what's going to happen in the rest of this. I'm do very you? interested. What colours is Nerf gum? Uh, it he doesn't. He, I can't doesn't, tell. All right, okay. Carry on then. You you carry on. I'm enjoying this. Are you Jack Fury? She said in a hushed voice. Oh, I hate that voice. <laughs> Jack instantly recognised her voice as the same person who had wrote the note earlier. <laughs> yes, I am, he said, moving his hand beneath his jacket, fingering his weapon. You have information for me? Have you heard of Sphincter? She whispered. Her face now inches from Jack's own and her fires alarmingly close to his banana milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Jack answered. But they are all gone. I brought them down myself. I killed their leader. The woman smiled. What if I told you that not only does Sphincter still exist, but their leader is very much alive and has set up a new base under the guise of a fish and chip emporium right here on the English Riviera. Jack downed the rest of his milkshake, hoping his shaking hands wouldn't betray him. Could this be true? Sphincter still operating... And Ernest Stanley Blowhole still alive? He regained some composure. Why are you telling me all this? What's in it for you? The woman frowned. I was pushed. I was. What? <laughs> what? Sorry. I was pushed out of Sphincter when Blowhole replaced me with a younger woman. I'd like nothing more than seeing him plugged for good. She passed another piece of paper towards him. Good, nice. This is the address. His secret base is through the doors in the kitchen. You must hurry. He's about to execute his plan. And I fear you're all that stands between him and world domination. Wow. This is uh, crazy. It is crazy. It's It's page two now. Yeah. Wow. She wiped a tear from her eye with her foot and left. (laughs) Jack sat there staring at the second piece. I just got <laughs> Jack sat there staring at the second piece of paper and read aloud. Oi oi, Savaloy, twenty seven Marine Parade, coach parties by appointment only. Jack rolled his trouser legs down and walked briskly towards Marine Parade. This time he would finish the job and Blowhole would greatly regret setting up on Jack's own doorstep. Five minutes later, Jack was crouched behind a bush watching a steady flow of customers go in and out of Oi Oi Savaloy. To all extensive purposes, this, ju- this was just a run-of-the-mill fish and chip shop. But every- fish and chip? Yeah, I said that wrong. <laughs> fish and chip shop. But every so often, a customer, usually dressed in raincoat and trilby hat, entered the shop but didn't come back out. There was only one thing for it. Jack was going to have to go in. Surely, with members of the public around, he would be safe. He entered the shop and immediately regretted it. No sooner was he over the threshold than two heavy-set goons took him securely by the arms and whisked him through to the kitchen and again through some doors into a narrow, sloping corridor. 
He tried to take stock of his surroundings, but before he knew it, he was being manhandled into a lift, and they were descending even further into what he presumed was a secret base. As the lift ground to a halt, Jack was pushed out into a large, well-lit area, bustling with people. There were some in lab coats carrying clipboards. Some were loading huge quantities of boxes marked COD onto a moving conveyor belt which disappeared into a dark tunnel. But the thing that really caught Jack's eye was the numerous groups of laser-equipped squirrels that were marching around the area and unnerving everyone that came in contact with them. The goons led Jack through the crowds to a large, heavy armoured door on the far side of the chamber. You have to think about how you're going to say armoured door then. Yes. One of them spoke into a walkie-talkie. Oh, walkie-talkie. Oh, you know, they're portable, didn't yeah. they? And the door suddenly swung open. Jack stepped inside, but this time he was on his own. Or so he thought. Interesting. So much is a. Uh, so much has happened. It's yeah. always difficult to keep track of. But so he's 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 in Oyo Savaloy. He's in the on depths of Oyo Savaloy. The depths. In the depths of after a tip off from that. The, and the woman. squirrels with the lasers in their head. He's got he's got squirrels with lasers. Oh, yeah. it's he's in I'm trouble. I'm interested about the woman with no torso. Um. So she, they go up to her armpits. Yeah. Does she have boobs? She might have, but I don't think she had them with her. Oh, right, okay. okay. So he's he's gone into that room. Yeah, it's he dark. He thinks he's alone, it's dark. Mr. Fury, I've been expecting you. This disembodied voice came from behind a chair directly in front of Jack. And as he watched, as chairs slowly turned, revealing Ernest Stanley Blowhole cradling a large elderly albino squirrel. You seem surprised to see me, Mr. Fury. I am. I killed you myself not two months ago, and now you're sitting here, very much alive. So he's tenders. Jack was eyeing the albino squirrel as he spoke. Something about it reminded him of his ex-mother-in-law. The pink eyes... The hairiness punctuated by small bald patches. He couldn't put his finger on it. Page three. Whatever it, if whatever it is you're planning, Blowhole, you'll never get away with it. Blowhole laughed. You're hardly in a position to stop me, Mr. Fury. The fish laced with muscle relaxants are already being sold to the unsuspecting public here in Southend, and soon I will have shops in all seaside towns, and the world will be mine. Uh, oh, it's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Jack was aware of movement in the shadowy corners of the room and realised there were many more laser-toting squirrels lurking there with their sights firmly set on the agent. What are you going to do with me? Jack asked nervously. Do with you, Mr Fury? Why, I thought you might like to help me with my little operation. Blowhole snapped his fingers and several of the squirrels rushed forward. We're going to take Mr. Fury to see our good work in action. Blowhole followed while the armed squirrels escorted Jack out of the room, across the large chamber Don't and into the lift. Arms. What? Don't all squirrels have arms? Except the armless ones. Oh, yeah. Jack took in his sur- surroundings, trying to work out an escape plan. <laughs> escape <laughs> Was that a different plan? line, by the chance? No. But Blowhole <laughs> seemed to sense this and spoke... Any thoughts you have of escaping are fruitless, my friend. I only have to utter one word 
one word and my bushy-tailed compatriots will dispose of you and anybody else that is unlucky enough to get in the way. They were out of the lift and making their way along the tunnel now, heading towards the kitchen. Their footsteps echoed in the otherwise eerie silence. As they entered the shop from behind the counter, Blowhole placed his hand on Jack's shoulder. I want you to be at the coalface of my operation. Hands on, you might say. You expect me to serve? Jack stuttered. No, Mr. Fury, I expect you to fry. He pointed at the deep fat fryers <gasps> bubbling angrily, customers looking expectantly from the other side of the counter. Jack looked from the fryers to the customers, from the customers to the squirrels, and finally from the squirrels to the blow to blowhole, not to the blowhole. You're nuts, he said loudly, and before he knew it, the whole shop erupted into chaos. Unbeknown to Jack, nuts was quite literally the trigger word for the squirrels, <laughs> and they unloaded their weapons at will, causing carnage in the shop. Customers fled, windows smashed, and there was more hot fat flying around than in November's edition of Big Girls in Fongs. Jack's mind whirled as he looked for a way out of this chaos. He had to make it over to the counter and out the door, but there was a problem. Ernest Stanley Blowhole stood in his way. A maniacal look on his face. Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> Time was running out for the agent, but he maniacal. had one last, that's, the word. that's it, one last play, and he grabbed a large battered sausage and smashed Blowhole around the face with it. Blowhole howled and staggered to one side, clutching his face, and Jack, seeing his chance, hurdled the counter and made for the door. Stop! Blowhole shouted. You left me alive once. Are you going to make the same mistake again? Jack stopped in the doorway and slowly turned to face Blowhole. I'm a hurdler, not a murderer. What? But if I see you again, that might well change. As Jack emerged from the shop, he was greeted by the local constabulary and various members of the emergency services. You might want to call for some backup, Jack laughed to one of the policemen who looked confused at the chaos in front of him. Jack strolled along the promenade, savouring the fresh, salty smell of the sea and made his way back to his MG3 sports car that he had left wow. in the Sea Life Centre <laughs> car park what seemed like a lifetime ago. He climbed Hatchback. in and sunk into the luxurious driver's seat, admiring a dazzling display panel that was standard for this sort of top-of-the-range sports car. Life in the secret, secret surface was interesting. There was no denying that, and Jack was fairly sure this would not be his last mission. Somewhere nearby, a hunched form was rowing out to sea in a small yellow dinghy. A scorched white squirrel curled up inside his jacket and a nasty sausage in batter shaped scar across his face. To be continued. Will it be continued though? Probably not. <laughs> well, I enjoyed that. I, um, I do think going for nuts as a, uh, as a trigger word for the... The squirrels was probably a very poor choice, but it worked out. Well, he didn't think it through, did he? he and that's why Blowhole will never win. No. No. You just get corked up and yeah. um, MG3 is not a sports car. It is. Anyway. I, I enjoyed uh, that a lot, actually. Did you? Really did good. you like yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Well, what's next? Well, what is next is another story by Connor. Um, so this one, I'm going to read the shortest one now. Yep. So this one is um, it's a segment from a, a, a longer book that isn't written uh, called 
Stories from Her Majesty's Secret Service, The Long Night. This one is. Okay. So this one's aimed towards adults and... More a bit racy, is it? Well, it's, it's there's, a lot, there's a lot of swearing in it. Is so there? I've had to censor, I've just had to swap out a lot of the words. No way. Uh, to make it suit this podcast, which is uh, friendly to everyone. Yeah. Although, okay. you know, it Go doesn't matter it. if someone overhears it. Right. She'd get into character. You flipping fudged it again, you absolute womble. Me? You're the duckling that showered yourself after that bloke looked at you. Well, at least I maintained character. You pulled out your gun and shot up at the barnacles. They had their fingers on the triggers. I had to. You might as well have been standing there with your ninja in your hand. How are you going to explain <laughs> this gazebo of a mess to our oblong of a boss? That sounds like your flaking job, you ashtray. Wow. <laughs> do you know, that was probably harder to do that than it was to actually use a swear word. <laughs> nice. Did you like it? I like it, your ashtray. <laughs> right, yeah. So that was um, that was stories from Standing my Standing there with your ninja <laughs> in your hand. <laughs> I like that, I do. Yes. So that was stories we from should my talk like that. We yeah, should just go out and just... See what people's reaction is to it. That was a segment from stories <coughs> from a Majesty's Secret Service. The Good. Night. And the next one, I can't tell you the name of it. Okay. But it's essentially, I'm going to read it from the perspective of the character. This okay. One is. This one's first person. I stood there in my room preparing myself for the night to come. It was going to be dangerous, yet a lot of fun. I slid on my black leather shoes and put on my black jacket. I took one last look in the mirror to straighten my bow tie and do it my... Just one button. Back in business, I muttered to myself. One button? Yep. That's how you should do jackets up. One button. Oh, I, thought, I was thinking of the shirt. Oh, no, I the thought shirt. it was like the equivalent like of, a the, cape. of the woman in my thing. that only yeah. had a tiny, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. After a steady walk down the stairs from my room, I pushed open the double doors and was welcomed by a party. Everyone stopped and stared straight at me. Couples dancing, paused and separated. The men looked angry, but the women, the women had a look in their eyes of pure lust. Slowly, they started making their way towards me. Nothing moved that fast in this place, not anymore anyway. The silver-haired woman reached me first. She wore a red dress and a pearl necklace wrapped around her neck. She placed her hand on mine, which was firmly gripping a walking stick. I've always wanted to be a Bond girl, she whispered in my ear. I can make you one, I replied. What? She responded. She clearly had forgotten to put her hearing aid in. My name is Bond. James Bond. I used to be one of the most famous spies in the world, which you'd imagine would make my job incredibly hard. It may have had its challenges, but I was never a challenge with the ladies. I may, be retired. I may have retired my pistol, but I'll never be tired of working the suit in this old people's home. Wow. It's James Bond and those people's home. It's called Doubled Old Seven. Oh, <laughs> nice. See, that's... <laughs> yeah, I like That's why it. I couldn't tell you the name. Licence to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the end of our stories. I enjoyed them a lot. I bet he, I bet he uses a Werther's PK pistol. Do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah? Right. Nice. That was a fun story. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Is that those. all yours? Yeah, that's all mine done. That's no, really good. Like no. I said, the other ones. I've enjoyed very doing short. that again. We again, we should leave it a little while and we should try another sort of genre and do that again because I really enjoyed doing them. Yeah, it's good no, fun. Absolutely. Um, but that being said, I mean, 
just to move on, because I'm aware of time, and I'm also aware we have had some people contact us this week. Excellent. Let's hear. Let's so, hear what they have to say. We've had two contacts this week. Yeah. Uh, firstly, one from Andrew. Okay. So, the subject is dreaming. I might have to zoom in a little bit, because I'm far away from my... No, can't do that. Anyway, okay. I'm going to just try and read it from this distance. Yeah. He says... I'm, I'm reading it in the voice that I've read the other stories in now. Yeah, no, so try not to do that. All right. I'm one of those people for whom having somebody retell their dreams is about as exciting as a prospect of having someone say, here's a poem I wrote. Oh, wow. Yep. And we've just read out stories. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but I had a real light bulb moment when I thought about the statistic of David's, uh, of David's about forgetting 50% of dreams within five minutes and 90% within 10 minutes. If that is true, and granted, that can be a big if with some of David's internet research. Wow. Yep. And then, then you have to wonder about the uh, traditional uh, psychiatry. The Freudian theories are all about dream and Freud's diagnoses uh, often came from an, uh, analyzing, <laughs> analyzing, analyzing, dreams. It, yeah. analyzing dreams. But how is he doing that if we can't remember them? It's a good point. After the, um, are the patients making it all up? Question mark, that is, obviously, it's a question. If, if, yeah, is psychoana- psychoanalysis all a bit of a scam or are people managing to, um, managing to get appointments within five minutes of waking up? It's a really good point, actually. I think they were getting appointments within five minutes. I mean, actually, no, that's not, that's not true. If you ever tried to call well, the doctors. Well, the idea, the idea of, of that sort of thing is they can put you uh, into a sort of state of consciousness that they can ask you questions about, uh, you know, and that and that's not necessarily your dreams. Would that be a subconscious? Time, Eh? I'm just trying to justify what I said. Oh, right, okay, right. And those, uh, I'm that's slanderous about my facts, I've got to say. I mean, I know I get some things wrong, but I'm absolutely... Uh, You've not, actually quite I'm, literally got a segment called Fact I Check. Was, I, <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I was 50% um, sort of confident they were right after five minutes, but now I'm only 90%... <laughs> It does. There's just by the way, um, these emails come through. Say, does this submission look like spam? Report it here. So, would you like me to report it? Oh, absolutely. Report it. Um, No, but the thing is, look. I I think the idea was that you're supposed to write the things down straight away after you dream it. But you know, I'm I'm pleased that he's engaged with us. I'm sorry about this week's. Now he's told us he doesn't. I know it wasn't any poems that we did, but it certainly was the written word. So let's hope he doesn't complain about that as well. Well, anyway, that isn't the end of his message. Oh, sorry, go on. So it says, by the way, I can't lay my hands on a buckaroo, but could offer a nice chest in exchange for your car. Just don't ask where it came from. Now that you've blown Jane's cover. (laughs) Right, okay. Now that you've blown Jane's cover as a secret policewoman, we might have to trade down for an old banger. To an old banger. Oh, right. Well, unfortunately, uh, that old banger is no more. I'm very sad. It has gone to the... A scrap heap in the sky, and I've now got. Sky, I've got ground. a sports car. So no, you haven't. I've got an MG, MG3. Okay, it's a hatchback. So that was a message from Andrew. Thank you very, Thank much, you very much, Andrew. Andrew. Nice to hear from you. Um, I won't report it. No. Um, but that isn't the only message we had. We had another one. Who's that from? Anonymous H. Right. Okay. It says subject dreams. The message to father. I can see your skids. That's it. What? Two father. Yeah, I know. No, I heard what you said. Two father, I can see your skids. I can see your skids in those nice rainbow coloured shorts that you've got. That wow. dream you had. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just to give reference to this, Dad once had a dream that he'd, uh, he basically there's a brand called Happy Stride, which um, fantastic brand. The brand is great of for ours running. That's uh, uh, that produces him and his wife. A great brand and really comfortable, fantastic colours. You can get them online. Yeah, at Happy Stride. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, you can get them if you look up Happy Stride. They're, I can guarantee you they're some of the most comfortable gear that I've ever worn when running. But, but when you first got them, I think you're a little bit self-conscious because your first pair that you bought were quite bright and they were rainbow coloured. And they had white lining to them, yeah. Yeah. And so you had a dream, didn't you? I had a dream. What was the dream? Well, the, the <laughs> Do you want me to say it? I feel like you do. So Dad had a dream that he was... a. Uh, Wearing these shorts and <laughs> Becky, uh, which I imagine might be anonymous H, but we can't guarantee, though I can see the email address, uh, had said in the dream, I can see a skids yep. about the shorts. And that was the dream. That was a dream. And uh, what I'd just like to say was it was a dream. Um, I've got the cleanest bot bot in the land, so we never have any problems. What happened to your voice? I don't know. It did, it did go a little bit funny then, didn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> I think I just needed to clear my throat. But yeah, that, I was laughing. Yeah. But that is everything. Oh, well, that's a couple of quality <laughs> um, correspondence for us. Great. Yeah. Um, if you would like to send us a message. Yes, please do. You specifically. I'm yeah. pointing at you. Yeah. Um, it is. Then you can absolutely do that. And you can do that on our website. You can do it on fatherandsundays.com. You go to the contact page and there is a submission submission form on there. And you can fill out all of that. You can even send it. You don't have to send us messages that we read on the, uh, ep, on the podcast. So you can select saying, I don't want you to read this podcast. and We won't read it out. Okay. Um, I do read them before I read them on this podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, then I hear them when he reads them out yeah. on these podcasts. I don't tell dad about them beforehand because otherwise he just gives away what they're all about. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, we'll do that. Um, you, do, you can do that. Although, if you would rather not do it at a website, we obviously have got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can message on us on those or also comment on those as well uh, on the posts we do. On the website, though, we've got... Um, you can like and follow Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, by the way. Uh, website, you've got all the podcast episodes available on there. You've also got links to all the different podcast platforms that are available. And you can, yeah, listen to your heart's content. Uh, we are so close to hitting some milestones, which would be fantastic if we can hit those. Um, we've both got new cars. Just thought I'd want to throw that in there. Yep. Um, very nice. <laughs> Dad yep, got lovely. an MG, MG3, as you probably can guess. Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a sort of uh, car that the spies drive. It's a hatchback. I don't know what the problem is with a hatchback. There's nothing wrong with a hatchback. I I've could got get a hatchback. Body. I've checked it out. I could get a body in there. I could probably get two wow. at a push. Well, if I'm my, out... My and point I'm being, a, though... On a mission. Well, you can't put a body that easily in I've the back of an Aston Martin, for can it, you? So I can you have bought a bin. I have, yeah. It's interesting. Um, but I've got a hatchback. got nothing wrong with hatchbacks, obviously. I actually well, really like them. No, yeah. I actually really like them, but you keep calling it a sports car. I don't see what the problem is with it, though. It's not a sports car, though. Why is it a problem for you? It's not a problem. Sounds like you're jealous. I'm not jealous. <laughs> I can promise you. <laughs> okay. I'm not jealous. Anyway. It is a nice car. Don't get me wrong. Thank you very much. My only one's nicer. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Right. Okay. Well, I think that's everything yes. to mention. I'm pretty sure 100% of what I've said on this podcast is accurate. You're pretty sure? No, I am 100% sure well, that, that 100% story was of not the information. No, the story was a story. It's made up. Yeah, hundred percent of the hundred. Oh, I should of say, I if a publisher listens to this, <laughs> yeah, just contact us. Yeah, yeah, you can do that at fatherandsundays.com. That's fatherandsundays.com. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.